The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? It's brilliant what happens when the family starts healing and then the person who's really struggling begins to... It's when the parents start to do what they need to do to connect, which means dropping the freaking weapons Mm -hmm. and the resentment and the anger and doing the only thing that's going to save their kid's life. And that's coming from a place of unconditional love. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with my mama, Andrea Arlington. You guys seem to really love when she comes on the podcast, and so do I. This time, we are moving in a little bit of a different direction. Usually when she comes on, it's pretty serious, but we're having some laughs as we're reflecting on the holidays in the Nyers household when we were growing up and how absolutely chaotic it was for us growing up. We're sharing some of our most cringeworthy stories and then we're getting into a Q&A format so that way you guys can take some tangible tips and use them in your family dynamic over the holiday season because isn't it so stressful to be with family during the holidays? I know that it is for me and my family is like, pretty well adjusted at this point. But still, things come up and it's important to know how to communicate, how to set boundaries, how to navigate challenging situations. And in this episode, we really cover it all. So with that, here is this week's episode with my mom, Andrea Arlington. You're not quite right with that tune, mom. Wait a minute. I thought that sounded really good. holiday season. And dun, dun, dun. Um, Hi, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. It is about to be Thanksgiving. It is about to be the holiday season. And Alexis has already decorated for Christmas. I have because I'm a psychopath. (laughs) Um, And my husband hates me for it. Uh, But whatever. I mean, I am jingle bells all the way, you know, (laughs) throw some tinsel on it and go for it. She's good to go. So because it's the holidays, I thought I would ask my mother, life coach extraordinaire, Andrea Arlington, back on the podcast to talk about challenging dynamics within families and how we can navigate them better so that way we have a more peaceful holiday season. Yes. And what the heck do you do when your kid shows up high on heroin? There you go. That's a good one. (laughs) How much of a nightmare, just as a little like, flashback to the holidays, many of which I don't remember at all. Um, Me either, honey. How how much of a nightmare were the holidays for us growing up? You know, gosh, I actually, I have really fond memories 
Like I remember one time when um, my dad was visiting. It was right after Grandma passed away, uh-huh. and um, you and Tess and <laughs> wait, wait, Gabby needed, did a, a full-on <laughs> like it started out as a swimsuit fashion show coming down the staircase, but then it turned Pause. into my lingerie. Pause, <laughs> and then you it need was to give some background nude. here. First of all, George Huber, God bless his heart, for putting up with us for this many years. George Huber, my mother's father is the most conservative <laughs> so prick. conservative i love him so much but he just has such a stick of his ass i love him so much but he i mean he's gotten softer in his older age and i you know I, that he that there are going to be people who just tell him what you just said i don't right? that's the thing is that <laughs> i know uh, my relationship with him has gotten so much better but george when i was <laughs> seven when this incident was happening was very unhappy about you think he was unhappy when you were seven (laughs) (laughs) he was really unhappy when I was seven (laughs) and I will say I have mended my relationship with my grandfather and I love him so much and I have such an appreciation (laughs) for the way that he really he is the only man in my life in my opinion that really stepped up to the plate for us in a major way. When and shit was hitting the fan. When shit was hitting the fan and saved our lives and saved got them. us into housing and, you know, paid off major hundreds credit of cards. thousands of dollars of credit card debt that <laughs> my mom sent that us. That is such an exaggeration. Okay. It, was it, was less a, than, it was less than 100. <laughs> <laughs> it was but 99. not by much. <laughs> it was 99,999 I know, that's because I thought I was opening cents. up like a whole on like um, holistic health care practitioner oh, salon. help me. The amount I had of jobs all of had. those crazy equipment things, remember? Like that was on I the first remember. scene of Pretty Wild yeah. <laughs> where you guys shocked each other and there were yeah. all these things oh, shaking. Cool. So you were the original biohacker. I was. Oh my God. Everyone's into biohacking now. My I mom know. was the original fucking biohacker. That's right. Hilarious. So, <laughs> so George Huber, right? Very traditional, very conservative, always logical. Professor. Professor. Yeah. You know, made it from the bottom to where he is today Super by just like cool. hustling and grinding. Yeah. Very logical, right? Is at the house for the holidays. And yeah, Tess, Gabby, and I are walking down the stairs at eight, seven, and six, five, five. four, four, four and, four and a half, half. <laughs> <laughs> down the stairs in my mom's lingerie and heels to Celine Dion's When You Touch Me Like This. Oh my God. And you hope. I forgot all about <laughs> this song. Yes. It was not long. And we're doing the catwalk above the and stairs. And my dad is completely sober. And we're basically sober. stripping. And I'm probably, <laughs> you know, a little buzzed on something. I don't remember. And I'm like, I'm starting to laugh. And I think it's funny. And then I look over at my dad and George he does not furious. know what to think. No. Well, no, I think there was a part of him that wanted mm-hmm. to crack up. But then he was like so disgusted by the whole thing. And the fact that I was just like <laughs> letting it happen. <laughs> okay, so that was a good one. Another good one was, you know, we were outcasts in our community. That's and right. my mom finally gets married to Jerry and they're having a holiday party. Okay. At the house. And um, my best friend Taylor is there. Uh, she was our little neighbor girl, right? Mm-hmm. And her dad. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh God! Oh fuck! <laughs> Sorry. I'm three <laughs> sheets to the wind. Don't you dare tell the story! <laughs> oh no! Don't. This is so awful. I was so awful. <laughs> I was so disrespectful to my husband. Okay. <laughs> so. God bless Bruce, but let me just give you <laughs> My mom's married to Jerry, but Bruce, 
Bruce is this very round, short New Yorker, Jewish New Yorker with a bald head. And my mom, <laughs> my mom is fucking wasted. And here, here's the opportunity to have a normal party for the neighborhood to get to know the, the Nyers Dunn crew. And my mom is giving a lap dance to Bruce in the living room I don't in think front it of everyone. It dance. was a lap well, that's, dance. Well, I was taking pole dancing classes at the time. That's true. Oh, my God. She's giving <laughs> Bruce, who is extremely uncomfortable, in this leather chair in our living room, a lap dance in front of uh, everyone. God, I hate that when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the last, the, I mean, there's more depressing ones, like rewrapping the, the shit that we already had in the house to make it look like we had Christmas presents under the tree. I mean, it was, I a, fuck, it was a fucking that. nightmare. Of, I just remember the time that when Bill came over and he fed the dog like lobster and steak, mm. and then we woke up the next morning and he had just blown it all out underneath the Christmas tree over all the presents. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a 103-pound Newfoundland yeah. mix. Oh, my God. Fuck. What a nightmare. Okay. So we're obviously not immune to family drama over the holidays. No. And even, even now, as a very blended family, things still come up. This year will be really interesting because Chris will be spending the holidays with us. Right. She hasn't met my mom or my dad. Right. She's yeah. very, you know, a little bit nervous about that. She goes, should I, she texted me last night. She goes, should I get a new outfit? Like, what do you think I should wear? And should I cover my tattoos? I'm like, my parents, if they have an opinion, they can shove it up their ass at this point. My parents have been fucking nightmares <laughs> <laughs> their whole lives. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Um, but anyway, so you guys sent in questions. My mom and I are going to talk about the best way to handle these difficult holiday situations. If you haven't already listened to the last episode, I will have it in the show notes with my mom, where we talk about Family dynamics, communication skills, and ego states. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to listen to that episode right now. Right. It will and, change your life. By the way, we did an amazing 45-minute video training on this exact same thing. And if you guys want to get a copy of that to download to your own computer so you can have your own video copy of our training where we'd like diagram this stuff out, what should they do? Is that in your is that on your Instagram, Alexis? Well, oh, it's on my, it's on the front of my um, website. It's under andreaarlington.com. You can just there go there, go. click on it. And it's a downloadable 45 minute training with, with the two of us. And it's pretty funny too. Perfect. Because we use examples from our own dysfunctional communication and yeah. how to correct them. <laughs> We're a riot. It's time to seek out pleasure in every area of your life. From how you start your mornings to how you wind down at night and everything in between, you deserve to enjoy it all. Dipsy Stories wants you to find joy and confidence in and out of the bedroom. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. 90% of women use mental framing to get turned on, but most of the innovation and investment in female pleasure has been focused on the body rather than the brain. Dipsy Stories are sex positive, inclusive, and are created with women in mind. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and 
immersive scenarios so you feel like you're right in the middle of the action. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on or that coworker you always had a thing for, or maybe a short story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they do to you. They release new content every week, so there's more to explore no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has more content for you. Check out their wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and audio soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash reality. That's 30 days off full access for free when you go to dipsy, D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash reality, dipsystories.com slash reality. Is there something that's preventing you from achieving your goals and what interferes with your happiness? BetterHelp is here to help you get to the bottom of what is getting in the way of you living your best life life. They will help you assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find particular expertise that you need online. Don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you. Licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, and self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential, convenient, Convenient, professional, and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you will get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com recovering. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash recovering. Hey guys, it's Hunter and Michaela, and this is the Model Citizen Podcast. We wanted to let the members of our community experience a different side of us that they see glimmers of, but never the full force. Exactly. We wanted a place where we could talk unfiltered about anything and everything, including our lives and experiences in the modeling industry, beauty, fashion, dating, sex, marriage, a dash of political commentary, and of course, pop culture, honey. We're going all the way in. Tune in every Thursday for a giggle, a laugh, and maybe even a tear or two. You've just found your new best friends, and we're so happy to have you. So the first scenario is dad's an alcoholic. Okay. Gee. <laughs> Where did that come from? Mom's a mom's a codependent. Mm-hmm. Dad's an alcoholic. Right. All three children are dysfunctional, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But one child, the black sheep, it's always the black sheep that is the survivor, right? Yes, yes. The black sheep 
is making their way in this dynamic out of the drama. They're starting to work on their stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. They're realizing that these patterns are not healthy. This woman is married. She has kids, and she doesn't want her drunk dad at Thanksgiving. What is the plan? Oh, so the the kids are adults. Well, the kids are adults, but now the 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 adult adult kids have kids. Right, and grandpa and grandma are supposed to show up. Right. Yeah, and, and all of the drinking. and all of the aunts and uncles and all of the thing. Yeah, and dad's a violent drunk. Right. And right. mom's, you know, his wife is yeah. is the people pleaser. And then the three kids by proxy are going to be dysfunctional. And the black sheep has made her way out of it. Is now married, has kids of her own, and doesn't want her seeing you know drunk dad at her house. Right. Exactly. So that's a really you know important and very common issue for family dynamics during the holidays like who gets to come if there's a problem person and you know we talk about that in the 3 Cs we talk about how to set loving boundaries which are always in order to protect ourselves from our own feelings being not met we want our emotional needs met and so we set boundaries to meet our emotional needs not to control other people so we would say to mom and dad hey you know you guys you're welcome let's say they're welcome to come to thanksgiving dinner but i do need to let you know that there will not be any alcohol served here um, during the holidays and we will not be allowing alcohol in the house so are you comfortable agreeing to not bringing alcohol and not having alcohol and showing up without having drank alcohol? And so it's, you know, confirm, hey, look, I know you drink and I know that's a preference for you. And then clarify, we're not going to be having alcohol. We don't want anyone bringing alcohol. We don't specifically say you can't, but nobody else is going to. And are you willing to agree to you know, live within this set of boundaries. And it's fine if you're not, but then we're going to need to, you know, celebrate the holiday with you separate and apart on another occasion, or we're just not going to celebrate with you, period. So that's one possible option. But what if everyone doesn't want to not drink? Well, I know that's what, that's what I was going to say. That's the hard too. thing. Well, then they need to go in the bathroom like we used to do oh, and no, keep they a do bottle not. under the sink. No. Like, you know, when we it tr- wasn't a bottle under the sink, you liar. It was a bong under the sink. Well, that, well it was that and a nice bottle of Veuve <laughs> Cliquet, you know. <laughs> and maybe a little bottle of cocaine or a little... You know, right? Couple some pills. Seriously, <laughs> um, yeah. So, oh, this is helpful. Really, really helpful. No. So basically, you know, look. I always say, if there's family dynamics that are going on where it's really uncomfortable with one party that's going to be there, and the rest of everybody else is kind of like getting along, doing well, then make an arrangement to do two different occasions, right? Where you have the one person show up and celebrate privately, you know, where there's more uh, of a chance of things going smoothly, right? Rather than a big blow up taking place. But here's the thing. If if all of the siblings are getting together, you know, with their other in-laws and all the things, right. you're not going to invite your mom and dad. Well, you can invite them. And, and so it's I think okay. that the option is this. What? You ask them to refrain from drinking And if they say no, then you plan a separate thing. Perfect. But I think first 
you make the request. Well, what if it's like your dad, though, where he says, for sure, I'm not going to drink. And then he shows up and he starts like. Then you have to ask someone to leave your house. That's yeah, a risk. That's a, that's a it's risk. It's a risk for okay, sure. Okay, then I think you need to. I, need you, you, I think you need, you to, need to establish to plan, that. Yeah, and you need to have a plan in, that you will be asked to leave if you do drink. Exactly. And you have to have a plan in place for who's going to be the one to request them to leave. Right. Because you know that the codependent mom is, is not, not gonna going do it. to. She, in fact, she's going to defend him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course she is. Yeah. She's going to say, no, he has not been drinking. That's ridiculous. No, I don't smell alcohol in his breath. <laughs> She's going to be buying him the bottle that he drinks before they arrive at the house. Okay. Right. Yeah. That would be typical. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So relapse is often a part of recovery. Mm-hmm. We know this. And it's really hard to be sober during the holidays. You guys, for some background here, I got out of jail relapse like right away. Um, but not on heroin, first alcohol and weed. And then of course, heroin. And I was already really, I got really bad, really fast. I mean, by November. So I got out August by November. Oh my God. I was full on shooting up. It was a nightmare. I had no money, no more gas or electric in my apartment, could barely afford my bills every month. It was a disaster. And I went to a family member's house for Thanksgiving. And I was getting high the whole time. I remember I went with Gabby and Gabby was so pissed because she knew that I was using. Right. Mm. And so she was shaming me the whole way there. And I'm like being secretive and like smoking heroin. I'm not shooting up because I can't shoot up in the house. And so I'm like smoking heroin in the bathroom. It's like a total, it's just such a nightmare. I'm kicking at the house. I didn't know that I was kicking, but I was kicking because I didn't bring enough heroin with me. It was just such a disaster. I get back from that. And then a couple of days later, that was when I was arrested, right? Mm -hmm. I had just gotten out of surgery and Jerry was out of town and I asked you, and I didn't know you were getting high, mm -hmm. to come home and help me take care of the house and the dogs while Jerry was out of town because I was fresh out of surgery the day before. I don't even remember that. That's what a fucking douchebag I was. Um, did Did I actually come and help you? You were at the house when they came and arrested you. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But like, I was still like very much so like running and in the game at that point. Like maybe I was like popping in to check in on you, but I was fucking loaded. Anyway, so I ended up relapsing and going into jail thinking I was going to spend Christmas and the next six years in prison. And so it's a nightmare. And it's totally normal. Lots of people relapse, relapse over the holidays. Yeah. Why? Family drama, personal Memories, shame. Like triggers. Trigger memory. Holiday triggers. Absolutely. And so the question is, if we noticed that our loved one has relapsed yeah. around the holidays, what yeah. is the best way to proceed? Oh, God, thank you for asking that question. My suggestion is, is that you don't have any family holiday gathering at all, but you invite your loved one over and you have the most beautiful connecting experience with them without even addressing the drug issue. Because your best ability to influence anybody is based on the quality of your connection with them. And if they've relapsed and you start in on them, you polarize them because they're using again and you're not going to have a family and it's all because of you. You're not having a din- holiday dinner because you're high and you're using again. That's not how you do it. You you just go, you know what, honey? I'd really like to do something special, just you and me. 
you know, or just you and dad and me, or just you and your sister and me or whatever, right? And you make it special. And then you have this beautiful experience and you don't talk about that. You talk about, you know what I'd like to do next spring? I'd love to go camping with you guys back in Yosemite. Like you build connective, futurized experiences, you know, or you talk about things you've done in the past that were so beautiful because two days later, you know, you can have a conversation and go, you know, honey, I've noticed lately that you seem like you're not sober right now. And hey, it's you have to give them permission, right? You can't tell them don't get high. You can't tell them don't relapse. Don't be who you are right now. You have to say, I'm noticing that you're stumbling when you're walking and that you're slurring your words or whatever they're doing, you give them the facts. And I'm wondering, is there anything that I can do? Or do you, is there anybody you can reach out to? Do you want to talk about this? I'm not judging you. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just asking you, I'm letting you know what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm noticing. And I'm asking you what you think needs to happen now. I'm not judging you. I'm on the same side of the field, sitting in the dugout, side by side with you, looking at the field going, hey, you know, when you're on first base, but you're stumbling to second base and I'm trying to catch like shit is hitting the fan, nothing's working. What do you think needs to happen? You know, who could we call to coach us through this? Who could we get to help our team win? Because this is a family issue. This is not just your issue. This is our issue. And I love you. And we can do this, you know, as a team. And this applies to friendships too, you guys, not just like to families. Like if you're noticing that a friend is really struggling, the best chance that you have at helping them get better is through connection. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that that doesn't have boundaries associated with it, Yeah. you know, but that, that connection and that unconditional love to someone who's struggling like and that can really, can do so much because they know that you know that they're high and they yeah. know that you aren't having people over because you're wanting to not have that, you know, that dynamic happening. But they know also because you're not shaming them and you're not talking mm-hmm. about the the using. You're just talking about how much love and joy that you have shared and that you look forward to sharing with them. And isn't this delicious? And do you want to bake some cookies after dinner? Do you want, you know what I mean? Like creating connecting experience. You have to make their life outside of drugs better than their life on the streets. Exactly. Exactly. And so what we do instead often, and it's because of the stigma around addiction, is that we feel like we have to fix and control and manipulate them to make them sober because they're our drug right? We, mm-hmm. we, if they're not doing the perfect recovery program, then we're a disaster and they're our fix, but only- Like as if their behavior is a reflection of who we are. And that's so much a part of it. Like, how dare you show up to my family dinner fucked up? Because that's embarrassing to me. It's not about, I want you to be sober because I want you to live. It's like, don't freaking embarrass me in front of my dad. And my mom knows this because this is <laughs> this exactly is who, who my mom was. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Even but though she was fucked up. It's so, exactly. Right. But guess what? 
you were using heroin. Hello. I mean, like, that's like worse than She's going to put her ass on a pedestal right exactly, now. Exactly. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is that she was a symptom of my dysfunction. That's the truth. Ooh, I like that. Did I haven't told you that before? No. I have that's too. Brilliant. No. It's true. I, I think we're <laughs> it's all true. of our, our kids are the symptoms of generational trauma and family dysfunction. And I was a symptom of my family's dysfunction, but because I didn't heal and do the work before I had kids, oh, my poor kids. I mean, they just didn't stand a chance. And of course they were the symptom of my dysfunction. I mean, and their dad. The way that you put that was just so brilliant. I I haven't heard you say that before. I like this one that, you know, what if someone's in early recovery or in a sober living or in a rehab and they want to come home for the holidays. That was me. I wanted to come home for the holidays. Oh, and I wanted you to come home so bad. And I was like, can't we just smoke weed? Because heroin was your thing. And I was still getting high. <laughs> and here I am facing like six years in prison, court mandated to treatment. Sobriety. And it's like, they couldn't stay sober for one day for me to fucking <laughs> come home on Christmas morning. Oh my God. I was such a mess. I, I had know. no idea what and this was all about. This is the timing too that, that Andrea walked into the treatment center to tell them that I was too medicated. That she was more fucked up on the medication that they put her on than she was when she was high on heroin. Meanwhile, I was just trying to, they were trying to basically sedate me because I was such a fucking nightmare in the treatment center. Well, yeah, that, and they didn't want you to notice that you weren't high on heroin. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) They're like, here, not out on the couch. You won't know what drug it is. (laughs) And they were like, Andrea, you can't, you're not allowed to come back. (laughs) (laughs) My mom got kicked out of my rehab before I did. (laughs) And that's the truth. You never got kicked out of, out of, uh, so. No, but like. You no, get what I I'm was, saying. I was, I was kicked out literally. And the thing is, is that like Alexis was my life. Like she was my job. Well, like no, she was I, my full time. She made me a mess. So that way she could, and this was all so, subconscious, so unconscious. Have, right. So that way she could had a have purpose. a problem and a purpose, and a purpose. to fix. Yeah. Right, exactly. So that the flawed woman that I felt I was could fix my flawed yes. daughter. You could and look then like a I would superhero. look like a fucking saint. Yeah. Exactly. I love because I, I am a saint. No, it's, just kidding. <laughs> so dysfunctional. No, but 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 that's so often what um you know I work with families all the time, and I love the moms and dads I work with, and so often you know I either have to fire the parents because they won't listen to me about the fact that their kid is a symptom of their dysfunction, or they'll get it and we'll have major breakthroughs. And before you know it, the kids are not on the street anymore and they're in treatment and the family starts to heal. And I've got two girls right now that are six years in recovery each and they're both in nursing school. One of them just graduated with her LVN and she's going back to get her BSN or whatever. And the other one's just about to graduate from her with her LVN. It's brilliant what happens when the family starts healing and then the person who's really struggling begins to. It's when the parents start to do what they need to do to connect, which means dropping the freaking weapons Mm -hmm. and the resentment and the anger and doing the only thing that's going to save their kid's life. And that's coming from a place of unconditional love. Because would you rather keep your anger or keep your child alive? Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's really what it comes down to. But this yeah. applies too to like boyfriend, marriages, girlfriend, marriages, all of the yeah. things, like even friendships. There's so much dysfunction out there. I feel like everyone is just operating as wounded children in adult relationships. Yeah. And 
you know, there's something to be said. It's interesting because when I had Chris on the podcast, I was talking about how the love that I have for her is unconditional, like where, you know, she definitely has things that she needs to work on and I'm willing to be patient enough to love her through those things. But, but there's a difference between that and being codependent. Yes, absolutely. Can you lay down what those guidelines are? Because I think a lot of people get that. Yeah mixed up. Exactly. So I hear this all the time too. It's like parents are like, well, I I can't make them pancakes because that means I'm doing something for them that they could do for themselves. And I'm like, um, excuse me, your job is to connect with them. You better make them pancakes. It's not like you're contributing to them continuing to use, you're creating connection. And what you're saying in this situation is, is that your happiness is not dependent on her growth, mm-hmm. but you're there to love her as she grows. And I'm with a person who's aware of the growth that needs to happen and is actively taking, taking the steps. steps. And right. so when something comes up, or a big reaction happens, I can communicate, you know, what my need is and why that was hurtful. And she's really receptive to hearing that. And if somebody's not receptive to hearing that, then the the action to take is reevaluation. And you can go, you know what? I totally understand that you're not willing to do the work and I love you anyway, but I can't be with you. Right. And I'm not saying that about you guys. I'm saying that that's what we have to, we have to be respectful of another person's journey and love them. Even if they're not willing to get sober, even if they're not willing to do any work, we have to love them because that's what we need to do. But we, that doesn't mean we have to live under the same roof. It doesn't mean we have to see them every day. It means, and we can love them from a distance for however long we need to, to take care of our own emotional well-being, our mental well-being, right? Our first priority is our own mental health and well-being. And our second priority is their mental health and well-being, but not if their mental health and well-being is not a priority to them. Then we just have to love them and surrender our need for them to be somebody that they're not able to be right now. Yeah. Because you can't fix what doesn't want to be fixed. You know, so much of the work that we're talking about is really laid out in the Life Reset course, guys. In the Life Reset course, it's really a compilation of of the last decade of work that you and I have done. And it is a comprehensive program that allows you to really dig in and do the work, not only with the the coaching, the group coaching every single week, which is amazing. I I love the women that we get to see each week and and get to help and see on their, their journey and to see their growth. I mean, brilliant. Every time I see Taylor come on the call, it's just, you know. Such an inspiration. Yes. And Rita. Oh, my God. Love Rita. And Laura. Laura. All of them yeah. are amazing. Jennifer. Yes. Um, yes. Senya. I mean, yeah. all of I love seeing their growth. It's And the way remarkable. they cheer each other on. Yes. But. When my mom and I are talking about, you know, doing the work before you try to dive into helping someone else, I can't recommend it enough. Exactly. And when I mentioned earlier that we're all wounded children in adult bodies now acting out our trauma on other people or constantly being victims to life circumstances or to the traumas that are happening all the time or constantly being, you know, triggered. It's like, you don't have to live like that anymore, guys. But we didn't, let's circle back to this. I do want your loved ones in recovery, newly recovered. Right, and they want to come home. They want to come home. What do you do? 
So what you do when somebody wants to come home is you talk to their treatment team and you invite them to do it. You say to them, you know what, honey, what I want more than anything is for us to have beautiful family connection on special occasions in the long run. But my first priority is your mental health and well-being and the mental health and well-being of all of us as a family. So because you and I have tried to do this for years now and it, and we just didn't get it right, we need to ask the experts. So let's talk to your treatment team and see what they recommend. We never want to override or think we know best because I was that mom. It's like, oh no, she's way too high on the drugs you're giving her. She's better <laughs> off on, you know, heroin. Hello. No, that was an exaggeration. But all I'm saying is, is that I yeah. thought I knew what was best. And how could I? And how do we? We don't. We have to get the team that's working with the loved one involved in making these big decisions. And, you know, for instance, coming home for the holidays. Yeah. Um, now, if they're in sober living and they have the freedom to make those decisions on their own, you know, my the suggestion is, look, you got to make it as a low stress environment as possible. It's just really important to make sure that you alert you know, the loved one to the the fact that you're not willing to make a decision like that without the opinion of experts who have been working with hundreds, if not thousands of people over the years and know when it's right, right? Yeah. Now, if they're already in sober living and they have the freedom to make these decisions on their own, our biggest triggers are stress-related issues, right? So what do we do to keep the stress down at the family dinner? We keep it small. We only invite people who are compassionate and non-confrontational. We don't invite other people who are going to be inebriated. We don't invite drama queens. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we really need to keep it small and maybe even just make it one or two people and make it special and intimate and connecting and really honoring and celebrating the the recovery, you know, that's been taking place. That's, yeah. that's the way to do it. Guys, this applies not just to drugs and alcohol, but also to eating disorders and even to mental health. Um, you know, a lot of the women that we work with have narcissistic mothers. Yeah. And... Again, it really goes back to setting those firm boundaries, using, going back and listening to that episode with my mom, but we'll cover it again right here real quick, a, a condensed version of the three C's, right? Using those three C's to set a boundary. And if that loved one in your life who has a mental health issue or who isn't respectful of, you know, because I think this comes a up a lot with mothers and mother-in-laws mm -hmm. who think that they know better. Oh, you're not doing the turkey right. Or, oh my God, you didn't have pecan pie and apple pie. The little digs. Yes, exactly. That happen. And you, you know, I'm all for like letting some of those slide. But after a while, it's like, no, we're going to say something here. Mm -hmm. And so I think using the three C's, which one is confirm, you have every right to bitch and complain. I wouldn't say bitch and complain, but to complain about the fact that... Or I would say even comment because we want to drop, comment, the, we wanna drop the judgmental we drop language, the judgment. right? Love that. You have every right to comment about the meal that I've prepared tonight. However, when you do so, I feel X, Y, or Z. Or to, or to voice your preferences for the way the pecan pie has been baked. <laughs> we just kiss ass. Whatever it might be, right? 
<laughs> we kiss ass in a cunty way. Exactly. We are cunty and manipulative in the most respectful way. There you go. And so we, <laughs> we say, you have every right to criticize my pumpkin pie. Except you say it nicely. Yes. Okay. However, it makes me feel whatever it makes you feel. Insert the blank. When you do so, what do you think about... And then whatever you're bringing the pecan pie yourself next next year. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. I I love your baking. Why don't you bring the pie, bitch? (laughs) (laughs) What does my cousin Monica say? She says, um, oh, my God, I can't remember. She's from Texas. And so these women say things like, oh, that's just so lovely. But. It's oh, meant- no. A bless your heart. Bless your heart. Thank you. Yeah. A bless your bless heart. Bless your heart. Yes. I mean, you could say something like that. Oh, bless your heart. You thought I had enough time to make pecan pie and pumpkin pie and a turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and green beans. You must think so highly of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But no, it's a great way to set a boundary. And then, you know, if she pops off, then you just go back to the two of the, the three first C's, two C's, which is to c- confirm, hey, you know what? You have every right to continue to talk about what a bad job I did on the pecan pie. And I'm going to need you to change the subject or leave (laughs) something like that. Pretty much. That's it. Yeah. And that's how we take care of our mental health over the holidays. Exactly. Do you have anything you want to add? Um, I would like to talk about what it means to be cunty and manipulative in the most respectful way. Okay. All right. So the word cunt comes from a French derivative. Okay. And it really means like almost like a courtesan, somebody who's a woman who's very, you know, well put together. She's extremely intelligent. She's a great conversationalist and very knowledgeable about many subjects. Okay. And so it is absolutely okay to be a cunt and to be cunty because it's actually an attractive quality. So, and to be manipulative, manipulation is something that we do since the moment we're born, right? Starting at six months old, they have shown that babies are able to manipulate their parents. Exactly. And, but what we do, and when we want somebody to do something differently, we don't do it to manipulate them for just selfish, narcissistic needs. What I'm talking about with manipulation is like, I'm going to help us both do better by using responsible language. I'm going to use respectful tone of voice, respectful eye contact, but I'm going to be honest and clear and authentic. And I'm going to invite you to join me in a better moment together. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean by manipulative. It's not like I'm being selfish when I'm manipulating. I'm trying to get us both to do better. So say say I'm in a good luck situation with my husband And he is fucking angry, right? He doesn't want to talk to me. He is pissed off. He is whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use this tool of, in quotes, manipulation to get him to open up and be on my side. So that might be being fun and playful. That might be, there's a number of tactics that you can use to get the other person in that gridlock situation to drop drop their their guard. Yes. And get into a place of being open and receptive to having a conversation. Exactly. I agree about the whole cunt thing. I think the word cunt is amazing. 
I would like everyone to refer to me as queen cunt from now on. Um, <laughs> I love you. Um, no, I will say it's so funny that we use the word pussy as like, oh, you're a pussy. It's like pussies are the fucking strongest muscle on this in this yeah, fucking like world. You try pushing out we a watermelon. We deliver babies. <laughs> I, I can't even flick a guy's balls without him I'm crying. Screaming, right? Kick me in the cunt. I dare you. I'll be fine. Oh, um, my cunt's been through a lot. Yeah, I've but, delivered but babies. But I'm not talking about the, the vagina. No, I'm, I'm just like, saying I think that we have an association with right. these things as bad just because right. of the patriarchy and we've yeah. been programmed to. Yeah. And so fuck that. I am a bitch. I am a cunt. And there's this book. And I love my pussy. And there's a book <laughs> called Cunt that's like literally three inches thick. And it, <laughs> and it was highly recommended by my 90-year-old cognitive behavioral therapist. <laughs> She's the first person that ever said to me, you know what I teach women? I teach women how to be cunty and manipulative in the most respectful way. I love that. And on that note... <laughs> Happy motherfucking holidays. Thanksgiving, guys. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And me too. Follow my mom at Andrea Arlington. You can visit her website at www.andreaarlington.com. And we love you. This week's affirmation is I know my worth and remind others of theirs. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 